It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Monday the 7th of February. I'm Steve Forbes. And I'm Emily Wither. A state of emergency has been declared in Ottawa. Residents have been harassed and abused. Um, a bunch of protesters turned up at a homeless shelter and demanded food. And the US sends troops to Eastern Europe amid Russia border tensions. It's a pretty chilling assessment of, uh, of what the Americans think is the worst case scenario. Times of London Daily World Briefing. We begin in Canada's capital, where a state of emergency has been declared to help deal with an unprecedented 10-day occupation by protesting truckers. The so-called Freedom Convoy, which began as a movement against cross-border vaccine requirements, has rallied more groups against public health measures and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government. Protesters have paralysed downtown Ottawa for the past nine days, with some participants waving Confederate or Nazi flags and some saying they wanted to dissolve Canada's government. The Prime Minister, who is isolating after testing positive for COVID, has ruled out using the military to disband the protest, saying the convoy represented a small fringe minority. Charlie Mitchell is Canada correspondent for The Times of London. He says within the police barricades, no laws seem to apply to the truckers. For 10 days, basically, there it's there sort of have been no rules. People driving on the pavements, running red lights. Uh, uh, residents have been harassed and abused. Um, a bunch of protesters turned up at a homeless shelter and demanded food. Uh, people had were, were scraping excrement off their lawns. Sorry, I know it's early. Um, off their lawns and doorsteps. Um, and uh, residents felt that they'd been abandoned by the police. The police response was very much to stand by, uh, fearing a violent escalation. The police said that they think arms started to arrive in the area a week and a half ago. So it's this real tinderbox kind of situation. Police, who have been on standby for the majority of the protests, have moved to cut off fuel supplies from the convoy, seizing more than 3,000 litres of fuel from the Ottawa baseball stadium, where it was being stored. Charlie Mitchell says this couldn't have come soon enough for the citizens of Ottawa who have been living in fear. People feel completely abandoned by the police. They had a pro massive propane stockpile in the middle of town, which is obviously extremely dangerous. The protesters have really entrenched themselves. They've built wooden structures, they've got kitchens, they've, they've got saunas. It's like they've got tents, they've parked um, cars, vehicles on roundabouts and taken the wheels off so you can't move them. So the police have gone in, they've cleared some of the camps, they've taken the propane away, and it is much more quiet tonight. 
The crowdfunding platform GoFundMe has announced that it will stop payments made to organisers of the convoy as the protest violates the site's rules on violence and harassment. As tensions with Russia fail to subside, the United States has sent troops to Eastern Europe in the event of an invasion of Ukraine. Overall, the US is expected to send nearly 3,000 extra troops to Poland and Romania to protect the area from any potential crisis. A former NATO commander for Europe said this is likely to be an effective deterrent. We are having now a movement towards that front uh, area. And, and I think this is having an impact because remember, this is what Mr. Putin is trying to stop is a movement into the front area. And I think what he's beginning to see is that his actions are causing the very thing he wants to stop. U.S. senior diplomats and military officers have told their opposite numbers in Europe that as many as 50,000 civilians could be killed if Russia invades Ukraine and that the government in Kiev would collapse within 48 hours of an incursion. The American model also predicts that an invasion would lead to as many as 5 million refugees trying to leave Ukraine. Washington correspondent for The Times, Alistair Dauber, told Times Radio that the warnings of an invasion aren't going to let up anytime soon. Every day there is a briefing by the, uh, the Defence uh, Department, the Department of Defence, there's a briefing by the State Department. Of course, we get the White House briefing every day as well, suggesting that the Russians could invade any day, uh, quote unquote, um, and suggesting that the, there could be a, an enormous human cost uh, to Ukraine were that to happen. So absolutely, I don't think we're going to see any uh, lightening up or lessening of the, uh, of, of, of the warnings and they're going to come thick and fast every day. On the way, African leaders meet to discuss coups on the continent and a diamond older than the dinosaurs goes up for auction. Times of London Daily World Briefing. For the first time in almost two years, Australia is opening up its borders to tourists if they're vaccinated. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison said he was looking forward to welcoming people who've had both COVID jabs back from February the 21st. The country has had one of the strictest border controls throughout the pandemic. Bernard Lagan is the Times of London's Australia correspondent. He's told Times Radio it's seen as a political move. This really is a precursor to the election. I mean, the tourism industry in Australia has been on its knees, really, for 18 months to two years, with no international tourists coming in. And that's been particularly felt in Western Australia, where you know, they, have a, they are particularly reliant on international tourists. And the government needs to win seats or preserve seats in Western Australia if, if it has to have any chance of returning to office. So this is taking some more barnacles off the boat ahead of the election. Unvaccinated travellers who have a medical reason for not being jabbed will still need to apply for a travel exemption and if successful will be required to quarantine at a hotel. Australia, which even banned its own people from leaving the country last year, has recorded just 4,248 COVID-related deaths. With the French presidential election less than three months away, immigration has been a hot-button issue, particularly for far-right candidates. Marine Le Pen and Eric Zemmour have continued the rhetoric of taking a strict stance on immigration and border control. Zemmour, a former journalist who has been convicted for inciting racial hatred, has drawn supporters away from Le Pen. He argues France is facing the Great Replacement, whereby French identity would be erased and replaced because of uncontrolled immigration. 
But residents in the Barbès neighbourhood in Paris, a place that is popular with immigrants, mainly from Africa and Maghreb, said that they are used to this. Jane Floor, who has lived in France for 20 years, doesn't understand why the blame falls on immigrants. She said that she would rather speak about the real problems of France, such as poverty and the higher income class, who live better than others, and that immigrants are not France's real problem. The 35th African Union Summit opened over the weekend against the backdrop of COVID and coups on the continent. Forming 20 years ago to foster regional cooperation, the AU has so far taken little decisive action in the face of six coups or attempted coups in Africa over the past 18 months. Now the power grabs are high on the summit's agenda. The bloc has already suspended Burkina Faso, Mali and Sudan following military takeovers, but it's unclear whether it's had any effect on the country's new leaders. AU Commission Chair Moussa Faki Mohamed told leaders at the opening ceremony that the security situation in Africa required the bloc to take a new approach. Despite taking a more internal approach, many leaders called for the continent to have a bigger role on the international stage. Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the United Nations, said that the UN will work to help Africa maintain peace and stability. Africa was recovering very well before the pandemic. For 10 years, Africa had the highest rate of growth in the global economy. And now, Africa is condemned to lose ground because of international lack of effective solidarity. There were also calls for African countries to have more seats on the UN Council, with the continent still poorly represented. Also on the agenda was the AU's efforts to combat the pandemic, as the region is far behind global vaccination targets, partly due to logistical challenges. Governments hope that the creation of a continent-wide drug regulator last year might help Africa combat inequities with other regions. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. With a roundup of the Africa Cup of Nations final, here's John Jackson. Senegal have won their first ever Africa Cup of Nations. They beat Egypt in a goalless final at the Paul Bia Stadium in Olembe, Cameroon. Following extra time, the game was eventually decided on penalties, with Senegal winning 4-2. English Premier League side Liverpool had players on opposing sides, and it was Sadio Mane who came out on top as he scored the winning spot kick after missing a penalty early in the first half. His club teammate Mo Salah didn't even get to take his penalty as the shootout was already decided. Senegal have twice come close to success in the past, losing in the final in both 2002 and 2019. Egypt will soon have a chance for revenge, though. The two sides meet again next month in a two-legged playoff for a spot at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. India has declared two days of national mourning following the death of Lata Mangeshkar, a singer known as the Nightingale of Bollywood. Mangeshkar died at the age of 92 from complications from COVID-19. Prime Minister Narendra Modi tweeted that this loss leaves a void in the nation that cannot be filled. 
For nearly eight decades, Mangeshkar sang songs that were later lip-synced by the actors in India's lavish Bollywood musicals. Mangeshkar, who never married, is survived by her four siblings, all of whom are also accomplished singers and musicians. And finally, one of the oldest and most rare diamonds on earth is going up for sale. The billion-year-old Enigma diamond is more than 550 carats and is believed to be the largest cut diamond on the planet. Nikita Banani is Sotheby's jewellery specialist and head of sales in London. She told Times Radio its origins are full of mystery. There is a theory that there could have been a diamond-bearing asteroid, for example, extraterrestrial origins. Uh, The diamond is very unusual. Carbonado gems, or black diamonds, are older than the dinosaurs and not much younger than Earth itself. Online bidding for the rock closes next week. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Monday the 7th of February. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.